Hello, and welcome to the Black and Dyslexic Podcast with Winifred A. Winston and LaDerek Horn, the show that unapologetically focuses on helping Black and underrepresented minorities navigate the special education process. We want to help raise awareness in the Black and Brown community, remove the stigma about learning disabilities, and provide you access to professionals in the space of dyslexia and special education that you need to hear from. Today, I have LaDerek and I. Hey, everybody. So this is our season one recap. So today, we'd like to share with you our thoughts, our impressions, our takeaways about season one and what we were able to accomplish. Yeah, I just want to start out by just saying thank you to everybody for uh, listening in every week and the comments and the community that's been built. So thank you for all the episodes you've listened to. And thank you for being with us now as we recap this first season. Winifred, I think maybe we'll start out with you. This podcast, the Black and Dyslexic podcast is your baby. You you thought of it. So I'm just wondering, how does it, how does it feel to have the, the first season in the bag? You know, I feel like, I feel like a celebrity. I feel like Everyone is like, yay, yay, that's her, that's her. Oh my gosh, those great conversations. Like none of that is happening when I leave the house. (laughs) But I feel that excitement, right? I feel that excitement from the emails that we get, um, just from a business standpoint, right? I was operating the nonprofit, building our parent solutions program, you know, had a conversation with Clarice, okay, make it a podcast, workplace solutions. And then I was able to get funding and bring it to fruition. So as a business person, as an entrepreneur, it feels damn good. Like, you know, like you made this happen. You just didn't say it. You were able to execute and implement. So on that level, it just feels good all around. Yeah. And you may not be hearing those cheers when you walk out your front door, but the accomplishment, you know what I mean? Like it's important that we are we're able to cheer for ourselves. Right? Yes, yes, yes. I'm like, no, I can't take a selfie. I don't know. This is pros. I got my mask on. Get back. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's been, I can tell you as your co-host and, you know, as your comrade in making, making this happen, uh, it's been amazing just to see the process. And I think also fun to grow into making this happen and the rhythm of making it happen. I, I think you and I can both say that We've gotten better at hosting and, yes. you know, the, the more episodes we've done. And um, yeah, but overall, this has just been, it's been a great experience. And so, you know, kudos to you. It absolutely has. And, and the guests that we've had on, the conversations that we have during the, the episode afterwards, you know, the conversation doesn't stop, you know, yeah. and I feel like each person that, that we've interviewed is just a friend in the space now. Right. Like someone that I can reach out to and they know that they can reach out to to me or us. But, you know, it just felt like a very comfortable conversation around a very tough topic that we culturally do not discuss. Right. And I remember in one of the earlier episodes with Kareem Weaver, I'd asked the question. I said something and he said, oh, you want to go there? I said, yes. He was like, let's go there then, you know, (laughs) and we kind of continue that. Right. I I like that part because that's what I envision. Like, yes, we're going to be educational, but I want it to be conversational and I want to share stories because a lot of times parents feel alone. They feel alone. They feel misunderstood. They don't have support. And I wanted everyone listening to know that there is a community and you have support now. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've said it as part of the podcast, but as we've been producing the episodes and I've been going out and doing trainings and keynotes, one of the things that I've said to folks is, you know, for years I have sort of pointed to other people's books and said, when my parents were, you know, supporting me, that's the book I wish they had read, or this is that. And what occurred to me was like, no, no, no. What I wish they had was the Black Dyslexic Podcast. Right? Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there's really not too much out there that is, you know, and even so many of our experts, right, come to this work from a, a direct connection to the work, either from mm-hmm. being dyslexic or being a, a parent. And one of the things that I appreciate is the way that the content is mirrored with a tone and a, a cultural responsiveness, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, like on a number of occasions while we were recording and particularly as we were sort of listening back you know I I would start tearing up and I was like this is this is amazing you know this is like a living room conversation and any black household where people are bearing their souls and having a challenging conversation and supporting each other and trying to connect and and you know hand off the resource that's going to help you to to get past whatever that barrier is it's very powerful you know and so Again, you know, like I'm applauding you, right, <laughs> for for helping to make this happen. So we've had mostly, you know, parents, folks with lived experience and some experts. But when we did the panel with the Urban Collaborative, yeah, I was really like, I know that I'm a personable person. I know that, you know, my energy be real high. We now know that that's, you know, my superpower, ADHD. But, you know, I've worked in spaces and I've always been good at, being friendly, cordial, and respectful, right? Mm -hmm. Because being an athlete in high school and college, I wholeheartedly believe in teamwork. Right. And and I know that I can have team members that I don't like Mm -hmm. or that don't like me. Mm -hmm. But guess what? We're going to win. Yeah. And I'm going to push you to do your best and you better push me to do mine. Right. right? And so I've been in workspaces, having worked in education specifically, where it's all about who likes you and attitudes and emotions and all that crap. But I knew that when I'm in this space, because I'm advocating not only for my daughter, but for all children, and I specifically want to reach more black and brown, you know, parents and families, I knew that I was coming with a collaborative spirit. Mm. Because that's just, just how I operate. So I think that episode really made me feel good, because two of the folks on the panel were from Baltimore City. Right. And a lot of folks, you know, we get a we get a bad rap here in Baltimore City. We've got I'm not even going to name the thing because I don't want to give them no, no traction, but you know, we're on the news a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of things that we do wrong or, you know, when things are not going well and it's just not fair. It's right. almost like someone has an agenda, but having Dr. Brooks on the panel and making and the conversations that we had, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to get more leaders from the city on the podcast. And I want them to hear that episode to know this is a safe space, even for you. Right. You know what I mean? Even for you, if we got to ask tough questions and, and get answers, but the questions need to be asked, you know, and so that episode, which you brought to the table through your connections, right? Yeah. Right. So let me, let me applaud you there. Okay. International advocate with friends <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> but, but that one really made me say, okay, I can reach out to other folks and say, Hey, listen to this. It's not combative, right? I'm not yelling. I'm not down your throat. You know, the only way we're going to help all children learn to read is by working together. So so that episode um, meant a lot to to have Baltimore City just represented in that space. That was one that really stuck out to me, as well as Janique. 
Okay. Yeah. Why? Unique. Because I think she really described, you know, the difference between what I like to coin as the homework tutor and an interventionist. Mm-hmm. Right. I just spoke with a parent the other day and she's like, oh, my daughter has had a tutor. And I'm like, but it's the wrong tutor. Right. And so what I know from my own personal experience as a parent, you get the diagnosis. You don't know anything about dyslexia. You don't know what OG is or Orton Gillingham. And you're paying for a tutor because mm-hmm. we had a tutor. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything. Right. And so, you know, it's like, well, stop paying that tutor. That's yeah. the wrong tutor. Right. And this is before they read a book. This is before they listened to the podcast. All they know is that, okay, my child has dyslexia and I want them to be reading by next year. Because mm-hmm. that's what you think. Because you're like, okay, once they get the help they need, boom, they're going to be reading. Mm-mm, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. Yeah. And I, I can tell you that that was, you know, the, the, some of the distinctions that I was able to make through the course of this season were really eye-opening. You know, I, I do so much work in sort of disability broad, special education, tutoring, accommodations. Uh, I believe a lot in the power of, of community, making those connections. But I think I'm thinking specifically around, you know, just the push around accommodations. I'm a big audio book person, right? And extra time and everything else. But I don't think that I only after kind of like the conversations that we've had really realized the power of literacy interventions, right? Mm -hmm. And and how my experience would have been, I think, very, very different if earlier on my family had known about those interventions and been able to, to have access to them. I don't know, by the time I really sort of developed an identity as a person who was dyslexic, I was already a college student, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and so at Mm -hmm. that point, it's like accommodations, what do you got to do to just kind of keep moving? Uh, But the the piece around informing people about services like Orton Gillingham and and, and other supports and how, you know, getting those in place in your child's life early can really make a difference as far as their ability to read, you know, and to do it in in a way which is fluid. And, and their confidence, you know, confidence, yeah. and I think about how so many parents are like, okay, my child has a diagnosis and they have an IEP and the school said they're going to do this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, how do you know that the school with all good intentions are really doing this because they may not have folks who are qualified, who are trained, mm-hmm. you know? And I look at, I always talk about my Logan. If y'all don't know my, that's my baby. <laughs> she's, she's 11. She's about to be 12. And, um, her dad is taking a word analysis course. Mm. Okay. Dr. Dyslexia dude, Dr. Sean Anthony Robinson is teaching this class and her father is enrolled and they were going over. I think they were going over the sounds. Yeah. The sounds that the symbols, which the symbols are the letters. Right. And he has a, a book. So we opened the book and I said, Logan, does any of this look familiar? And she looked and she kind of looked at him and she was like, yeah, Basically, she was like thinking, Daddy, what are you doing with stuff that I'm doing? <laughs> right? right? That's what I think her little brain was thinking. And then she looked and she pointed to something and she asked him to say it. And then I kind of glanced and I couldn't see it. And so he said, I can't remember, he said it, but she said no. And she pronounced it for him. It was like, I don't know, something with a silent T. She went on to tell him it's a silent T and it makes this sound. I'm going to say, Ch-. I might be wrong, you guys, but she said the sound. <laughs> right. And then she proceeded to explain the rule. Mm. Okay. And then she proceeded to give him examples of other words, but the, and I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, look at my baby. Right. Right. Look at my baby. We started this journey in second grade and here we are in sixth grade. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So do y'all hear that second grade now, sixth grade? But it was just amazing to me. Like, OK, all this work we've been putting in, it's really paying off. And then he looked and he's smiling. He was like, oh, yeah, I definitely didn't learn any of this in school. <laughs> right. You know, he was like, I didn't get any of this foundation in school. And so I'm excited. And that episode really stuck with me because I really wanted to drill home to parents that it's not enough to just get the diagnosis and say, okay, we're going to get tutoring or, okay, we're just going to let the school do their part. You know, Logan attends a private dyslexia school. I still get her tutoring two times a week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. With the pandemic and schools closing, we found a tutor and she really connected with this tutor. She really bonded with this tutor. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not letting her go. Mm. And so I really wanted to just like drill that home. And so I really love her, her episode because I thought it was just so understandable, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't speak in all this teacher talk. And then when you had the badass parent segments, right. it kind of explained how all of that ties in, Yeah, you know, getting the intervention. Yeah. You know, one of the things that also stood out to me, and of course I know it because, you know, I, <laughs> I'm a black person. I grew up around black people, right? But what I really appreciated was how so many of our guests brought their spirituality, you know, yep. and, their, and their faith to these conversations. And, you know, I think, you know, whether it be, you know, doing a teacher training or being at a, an academic conference or, or what have you, I rarely hear that, you know, mm-hmm. and I know some of it is that, you know, there just aren't a lot of us in those spaces, but it's one of the things that I appreciate is I think in the podcast, we gave our folks permission, right, to express the way that their faith has helped them to face the the challenge that can be being dyslexic or having a dyslexic child in this world. And the community that comes from connecting with people who who share your faith. And just it it gives you a language to be able to face adversity and a power. And, you know, like we were talking before we started recording and I said, you know, I wake up real early, like before dawn every, every morning. And it's like, what are you doing when you get up that early? And part of that for me is prayer, Mm -hmm. it's prayer and it's, and it's meditation. And it was just, it was great. I mean, it was great to hear, um, (laughs) you know, to hear, to hear folks sharing that part of their identity, but, you know, it comes up over and over again throughout the season. But, you know, and that's all a part of why I was so big on the Black and Dyslexic podcast and why I was so intentional about having all Black guests, right? Because there's no code switching here. Mm-hmm. This is a safe space and I understand you and you understand me. And culturally, yeah, culturally, we code switch. Right. We do. I mean, even when, when we don't intend to. It's just the way we have to show up. And some of us have been taught to code switch in a way to be successful, to be accepted, right? To be understood. You have to act a certain way. Speak one way at work and another way at home. Yes, yes. And have certain discussions around certain topics. And and so I was just very intentional about, no, this is a safe space for all things Black and dyslexic because it really touches on like culturally as a culture as well as racism right, as well as racism, but culturally, we know that we don't talk about mental health, we don't talk about learning disabilities, and this goes back, I think we talked about it on Marcy Jackson's episode, as far as going back to slavery, when you could not be sick or broken, because then you would get sold, so you had to keep quiet and just keep going, Mm -hmm. but here we are in 2021, and we can't continue that, right, 
So it's very intentional. I'm sorry, it's 2022. <laughs> it's 2022, but but that's why I was so intentional around making it a safe space to talk all things. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, some people didn't get that. Right. But again, that's my neurodivergent brain seeing the bigger picture, but not really being able to fill you in on all the pieces. Right. And now once, you know, it's come to fruition and it's done and it's like, yes, that's what I meant. Oh, I didn't say any of that, but that's what I saw because all things being black and dyslexic, all things that go along with that. So I often say that I would not be here, the host of this podcast, my daughter wouldn't be getting the help that she is getting had it not been for people who did not look like, who do not look like me, right? It would not have happened, right? Yeah. If I didn't have white allies in the space and I know that I'm, I'm we're going to have white folks on the show. This is a very white space. It's the dyslexic space. Yes, yes. Yeah. The dyslexic space, is, it, that's just the nature it is, you know? And, and I get a lot of emails and I knew that. You told me that. You was like, well, dyslexia is very white space. Whenever, you know, a lot of our listeners are going to be white. And I was like, right. black and dyslexic, right? And then I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Because the emails that I get, they're learning, mm-hmm. right? And, and they appreciate the candid conversations. And one email that stuck out, a white woman, she has a, one or two adopted black children. And she said, I get to see my privilege on display. When I advocate for my children, I'm applauded. Whereas my family members who are black and advocating for their children get dubbed an angry black mother, an angry black parent. And she said, and I get to see it on full display. And when I responded to her, I believe I might've said in your, you know, other white women need to hear that come from you. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it is different. And, and so I know I have a Facebook group, black parents winning over dyslexia, And folks were like, oh, just make it all black. Just make it all black. And I'm like, no, I need my white allies in the space Mm -hmm. because they're the tutors. They're the trained Orton Gillingham tutors, the majority of them. Right. Right. And so I'm like, I wouldn't know half of what I know now had it not been for allies in the space. But I think having this show and getting through season one, I'm very clear on who my allies are, no matter their color. Right. <laughs> you know, by some right. of the, the DMs that I've received, no, there's no mic here for you. <laughs> right. Not today. So that's been another thing that has really just was planted in me. Like, wow, we're doing great work. The feedback from parents, the feedback from other professionals in the space too. Mm, that's what, been a lot. What, is, what has some of that been? Very positive. Oh, I love the podcast. They love the flow. A lot of folks love that we don't do the whole, I don't know any other way to describe it, like teacher talk, scientific mumbo jumbo. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know any other way to articulate that. I don't want to talk over anybody's head, right? right? And we, we are talking about data. We are looking at data, but we explain it and we t- share it in a way that's understandable. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of folks relate to that and appreciate that. Yeah. And, and again, it's just, you know, it's, it's what happened when like, you know, smart people get together and just have a conversation, right? You know, yep. and, and so it's people going to drop their statistics and they're, you know, they're going to make their reference to this study and this, that, and the other, but is a way of doing that. You know, like I, I think anyone can take a complicated topic and make it sound complicated. Real mastery, I think, you know, and, and particularly within the educational space is being able to take something complicated and make it accessible, you know, make it where, where people can hear it and use it in a way 
that is functional, you know, and it's going to help them in their lives. And it's one of the things that I just, I appreciate in the guests that we've been able to bring to the program. And then the way that they've just sort of approached these conversations is that, yeah, it's, you know, it's clear that we have experts from different disciplines. And I think there it's partially is that we're all keeping in mind that we're talking to families, we're talking to people who are dyslexic, we're talking to educators, people who really need tools, really need inspiration. And mm-hmm. so, you know, let's give it to them in a way where we're going to really be able to use it. Yeah. yeah. How about the, um, because, you know, we've talked a, a little bit about some of the comments that have come from from some of the allies, but what about Black folks who, you know, have you gotten oh, yes, know, share I a little bit of those emails and those comments? Yes. So our badass parent segment, I don't think anybody understood that but me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, no, we got to have a badass parent segment. And I just know that myself, how I felt, you can't, it's indescribable. You are a mother, you have given birth to this child, and we all pray for a healthy and airmarks normal child, right? right? You just want a healthy child. And, you know, there are feelings of, did I cause this? Is this my fault? Should I have taken some different vitamins? Like, you just think all kind of crazy things as a parent. And I knew that both fathers and mothers, that badass parent segment, and I can't wait to get some fathers on the show, would just really hit home and resonate for so many, mm-hmm. right? Because what we haven't had, and you talked about it, is to have a family, like a husband and wife or two parents that are co-parenting on the show to talk about it, yeah. right? Um, the, the, the way that dyslexia plays into relationship dynamics, both parenting a child who's dyslexic or if one of the partners is dyslexic, like having that, that conversation. Yep. Yep. I joke and say, not again, not again. I always do it again. I always joke and say that. But um, I knew that the badass parent segment would really touch home for a lot of people. And and folks have hit me up that haven't talked about it with anybody because mm-hmm. their family don't believe it. Oh, why you want to label that child? He's fine. He's smart. You just want to listen to him and label him or, or put him on medicine if the child has ADHD or something like that. But, um, you know, it's a lot. I think we touched on it in Clarice's episode when we talk about just the struggle with trying to get help. Yeah. Right. The strain that it puts on families, the strains that it puts on that one parent that take the lead. Most of the time you'll have one parent that's the forefront. And so I just knew that telling that story would help. And, and here's the kicker. Most of the stories are the same. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's the common theme. Like, oh, I'm not the only one. My story was the same way. Yeah. So, you know, we keep hearing these stories and they're the same. What can we do to make it different? Mm-hmm. How can we change that? We're going to change that by educating you, by talking to you about it, by providing a, a space where you feel comfortable to ask the questions that you need to ask to get the help that you need. So we can change this narrative of why it's so hard for us to get help. Right. Why is it so hard? So yeah, my, my badass parent segment, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. Yeah. And I've, and I've, you know, I've received comments and, and seen some of the things that have come in through the different social media platforms that we use to share word about the, the podcast. And there are young black people who are reaching out and saying that I'm crying listening to this episode, you know? Mm-hmm this is the first time that I've felt validated, you know, in, in my experience. I've had those comments I mean, I've had those conversations with sometimes high profile people on stage around, you know, I don't believe in learning disabilities. I don't believe in dyslexia. I don't, I don't believe in any of that. Right. And so 
in our community, I think there's not a lot of opportunity for us to engage in this way. And, and it's been great to see the feedback that's come from the audience. And when I, and I would just, I would just say, you know, I encourage everyone, you know, if you're looking at one of the audiograms or listening to one of the audiograms that are on Instagram or Facebook, please leave a comment, please share, right? You know, we read all this stuff. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. And, and more than anything, we want to be a resource. And so, you know, helping to spread the word can be really helpful. I think one, just as you were talking, just the other day, I got an, I think I screenshot and sent it to you. There's a new advocacy group developing here in in Maryland. Mm. And so one of the members sent out an email to the rest of the team to say, hey guys, I want to recommend that you you listen to this latest episode of the Black and Dyslexic podcast because they're talking about teacher prep literacy and some things around the science of reading that I think can help us formulate some ideas around X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just edited that. And this was Laura. She sent it out. And I was literally texting her like, oh, I'm busy. I got to get this episode out. And she was like, oh, I thought you were done. I said, yeah, but I want this episode to air and I don't want it to be the last one. Like I was literally like texting her that days before. And so then next thing you know, that episode drops and she's like sending it with to the group to say, hey, guys, listen to this. And so then I text her later and was like, you see why I needed that episode to drop? <laughs> you know, so that was like, wow, like we're doing good work. Creating, right? these conversations, creating resource. Yes, yes. And these conversations are meaningful. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And look, I'm excited for season two. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> we need a break. <laughs> we need a break, right? We ain't, we ain't talking to nobody during Black History Month. But we'll start recording again come March and we're hoping to start releasing season two in the spring, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we got funding for, for this season for Morgan Cares and we're going to need some funding for season two. So we're, we're definitely looking for sponsorships, partnerships, because we definitely want to keep things going. This was a, a passion project, you know, and I'm like, look, I got this funding. We want to raise awareness. It was a part of our dyslexia awareness campaign, but we absolutely want to keep it going. So I'm really excited about the content and some of the folks that we have lined up to bring to you in season two, but I definitely want to continue this work. So like LaDerek said, we are going to take a break because we need it, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we definitely want to continue this work and continue to share the podcast, right? We're going to still be posting on social media. We still want folks, there are a lot of folks who haven't heard any of the episodes yet, So please do continue to share this podcast, talk about the work that we're doing. As LaDerek said, comment on the audiogram. We read it all. I promise you I do. Now, I I may not get back to you because sometimes I do feel like a celebrity in the DMs and I try to get back, um, back to folks, but we do read it all because it means a lot. It validates the late nights the back-to-back recordings, right? It it confirms that this is necessary and it validates that you guys want this content, right? And and so it means a lot. So if folks are interested in providing support, what's the best way for them to to reach out to you? Reach out on our website, www.soallcanread.org. And we've got a contact page, contact us. That is the best way to reach out to us. And on the website, we also have the link to the podcast. We have our donation and sponsorship page. So if you go to 
soallcanread.org. You can find whatever you need. Yeah. So that's the dyslexia advocation main page. And I like to, when I share out the news about new episodes, I always like to say that the Black and Dyslexic podcast is powered by dyslexia advocation, right? Absolutely. (laughs) So sometimes it gets a little confusing, right? But Mm -hmm. so dyslexia advocation is the nonprofit. We are a 501c3 charitable organization in Baltimore City. And the Black and Dyslexic podcast is a program, right? A dyslexia awareness program as part of the nonprofit. And our website is soallcanread.org. Because let's face it, who's going to spell out dyslexia advocation? (laughs) So, yes, the website is soallcanread.org because we can all sell that. Right. All right. Well, that's our recap. Is there anything else you want to say to the people as we prepare to log off for the last episode of of season one? It's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) All right, John. Tune in next week, where we'll continue to bring you lived experiences and more unfiltered conversations with experts in the field around all things Black and dyslexic. Make sure you subscribe and follow the Black and Dyslexic podcast, where we educate, empower, and equip Black and underrepresented minorities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is partially funded by Morgan Cares and the Center for Urban Health Disparities Research and Innovation, awarded by the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is sponsored by Dyslexia Advocation Incorporated, a 501c3 charitable organization located in Baltimore City, Maryland, whose mission is to equip parents of children with dyslexia and other language-based learning disabilities with the necessary tools to help their children become successful readers. You can find them on the web at www.soallcanread.org.